Welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. And today we're going to be talking a little bit more about miracles. We've been talking about miracles a lot lately, and there's a really good reason for that. Um, when we talk about near-death experiences, when we talk about some of these miracle cases, you're talking about uh, some of the best kind of evidence, the evidence that people are asking for. You know, if we have medical reports or we have medical doctors, I mean, this is, uh, you know, uh, empirical evidence. This is uh, em- evidence recorded in some cases by scientists and medical professionals. And so it's a really interesting and exciting to look at. Uh, now, I want to say again that if you come to this channel primarily because you like the miracles videos or that's why you got here, I'm so glad you're here. And I want you to know we got a lot of other stuff that we think is important to learn about the Christian faith because I think. Um, um, apart from your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, in terms of the evidence, the best um, evidence that we have is some of the evidence that comes from the uh, arguments for God's existence that we have and the, and the case for the resurrection that we present. You can check out the debates that I've had if you want to see that. You can check out some of the videos specifically on those issues. Uh, miracles are just one of the few things that we talk about on this channel. However, uh, I think that sometimes it's so powerful because these are things that people can kind of go check out. They can read news articles about this. They can watch YouTube videos and see it. They can, uh, in some cases, even contact the people involved. And and so it's, it's and there are stories. I mean, it's powerful because these are people you can look in their face and you can see, are they lying to me? It doesn't seem like they, they seem really genuine. And, and I've got doctors here backing it up. So this is really exciting stuff. And so I want to jump right in and set the tone for uh, this video by playing just a little bit of an interview with a doctor who had a very interesting patient and perhaps a prompting from the Lord. So just watch this. And I said, just stop this. And the emergency room doctor agreed after 30 or 40 minutes of working on this man who had been dead. But something unexpected stopped the cardiologist from walking out the door that moment. As I was coming out this doorway, I heard this voice turn around and pray for that man. And It was a clear voice, a soft voice that I heard, and I've heard that voice before, and you know, when the Lord calls you to do something, you want to do it. All of a sudden, these words came out of my mouth. Father God, I cry out for this man's soul. Raise him from the dead now, in Jesus' name. Okay, so uh, we're going to get back to that in just a few minutes. Uh, that's a little bit of a teaser there, but uh, I want to tell you a little bit about that case before we uh, talk about a couple of other things first. But um, in Lee Strobel's book on miracles, I actually have Craig Keener's work on miracles, which is a big, heavy academic work, and it's the one that Strobel pretty well used, but I've also got Strobel here, and Strobel kind of nutshells this story here. He says, um, Keener, that's Craig Keener, the guy who wrote the book on miracles and investigated all these, continued with the case of Jeff Markin, a 53-year-old auto mechanic who walked into the emergency room at Palm Beach Gardens Hospital in Florida and collapsed from a heart attack on October 20th, 2006. For 40 minutes, emergency room personnel frantically labored to revive him, shocking him seven times with a defibrillator, but he remained flatlined. Finally, the supervising cardiologist, Chauncey Crandall, that's who we were just hearing from, a well-respected Yale-educated doctor and medical school professor who specialized in complex heart cases, was brought in to examine the body. Markin's face, toes and fingers had already turned black from the lack of oxygen. His pupils were dilated and fixed. There was no point in trying to resuscitate him. At 8.05 p.m., he was declared dead. 
Crandall filled out the final report and turned to leave, but he quickly felt an extraordinary compulsion. I sensed God was telling me to turn around and pray for the patient, he said later. This seemed foolish, so he tried to ignore it, only to receive a second and even stronger divine prompting. Uh, a nurse was already disconnecting the intravenous fluids and sponging the body so it could be taken to the morgue, but Crandall began praying over the corpse, as we just heard him testify about. We'll get back to that story in just a few minutes, but I want to talk a little bit about uh, how it is that we often hear the evidence portrayed. It's not uncommon at all to hear atheists just point out on YouTube and elsewhere, there simply is no evidence of anything supernatural. There is no evidence of the miraculous. In fact, in the debate that I had with Matt Dillahunty at Baylor University, in Waco, Texas. Here's what he had to say. There's no conversation, confirmation of the supernatural ever. Anytime the supernatural has been proposed as an explanation for something that we've observed and we've actually been able to narrow it down to what is the most plausible explanation, the explanation has never been supernatural or magic. Now, of course, we wouldn't say that it's magic. We would say perhaps it's supernatural. But I want to say this about, about what we're doing here. We're going to see this in just a few moments with somebody else, another atheist talking about the evidence and talking about miracles, is that when they say, when they describe it this way, what they're talking about is we've never had, the only way I can interpret what they mean, and I've talked with a lot of them, listened to a lot of them, is we've never been able to get a naturalistic explanation of what happened such that it would confirm the supernatural. Now, here's what I want to clarify to anyone watching this right now. When we're talking about something natural, science Scientists study the natural universe. Uh, the natural universe is space, time, physical matter, everything in the physical universe. This is, this is the natural stuff that we're talking about. If we're talking about God acting, that is supernatural. Of course, you're not going to get a naturalistic scientific confirmation of the supernatural in the sense that you're talking about here, where you can like measure it in a beaker or something, because we're talking about something supernatural, which isn't, the, isn't within the purview of science. And we're going to see that become even more clear when we move on to look at uh, Hemant Mehta. I always get his name wrong. I'm sorry. I know you're going to see this, but Hemant Mehta, I think is his name. And he's talking about five reasons why your miracles aren't really miraculous. Let's hear what he has to say and see if it holds up and see if we should forget about miracles on the basis of what he has to say. Our memories are very selective and things that may not seem like a big deal at one point, we can make them into these life-changing events well into the future. And here's what I mean by that. And okay. here, here's a true story. When I was in college, there was this girl I really liked in my dorm and I was a little too scared to do anything about it. And one day we just kind of ran into each other at a bus stop uh, near where we lived. And we started talking and we hit it off and we basically ended up dating for two years. And that was pretty incredible. And what was amazing is that, you know, I had gone to medical school at the time and I had decided to quit. And she was part of the reason that I decided to step away from med school so I could spend some more time with her. And it was during that time away from medical school that I started blogging and writing about atheism and I had a chance to write a book about my beliefs. They, all these amazing things happened. And I could probably trace back that whole chain of events to meeting this girl outside the bus stop. If I were a religious person, I could so easily say God guided us to come together at that point. I could so easily say that was a miracle. What, what are the odds that, you know, we came together at that point and all this stuff happened because of that? Well, the truth is, you know, if that hadn't happened and let's say we didn't end up hitting it off, 
well, something else would have happened. My life would be totally different right now, and it's not like I would have this experience to compare it to, so I don't think that's a fair comparison. A lot of times, we can all point out, I'm sure, turning points in our lives where, you know, if something happens slightly differently, your entire life would have gone in a different direction. And just because it happened that way doesn't mean that that turning point was a miracle. We just attribute this amazing sense to that moment and we think it's this big deal and there must have been a reason it happened that way. But if it didn't happen that way, something else would have happened. So it's not really as big of a deal as we make it out to be. Okay, so uh, the problem with this is that's not what religious people are talking about when they say a miracle. At least it's not what evangelical Christians are talking about when they talk about a miracle. It, uh, some might colloquially describe it that way, but that's what we call providence. That's God, um, you know, interacting throughout the course of our lives, you know, impressing upon us things that we should do, uh, organizing events, exercising his sovereignty. That's, that's providence. That is not what we mean in this context when we're talking about a miracle. Uh, what we mean when we're talking about a miracle is God intervening and doing something supernatural that wouldn't have happened in the natural order of things or something like that. I think I gave a better uh, definition in the previous episode on miracles that we did. But the fact of the matter is, that's what we call providence. And uh, th this example is very odd for a couple of reasons. First of all, he says if I was a religious person, perhaps I could say that this is some kind of an inner, you know, that God wanted this to happen and orchestrated it such that it would happen. Um, yeah, maybe. Now, that's not what we mean by miracle. Again, that's providence. But you're saying that God, you would interpret this, because he's saying he left medical school and became an atheist blogger. Are you saying that that that, you, that could possibly be explained by God, God wanted you to be an atheist blogger? I, some of this just doesn't seem like he thought through the analogy. Uh, I'll give you an analogy from my own life. It's much cleaner. The analogy from my own life was I was at Middle Tennessee State University. That's where I met my wife. Uh, frankly, that may be one of the reasons why uh, I went there, why, why God providentially directed things such that I would go there. Um, and I... Um, was actually uh, studying for music business. I wanted to be a musician. I, I actually originally wanted to be a musician. I realized I wasn't going to make any money doing that. And so I decided, well, I could make money off of other people who are successful musicians. And so, uh, but I was in talking to my academic advisor one day and this atheist, this academic advisor was an atheist and uh, she was talking to me about classes. And I kept, I kept trying to arrange my classes such that they would include philosophy and religion courses and things like that. Things that would be helpful for me uh, if I went into ministry because I had already decided I wanted to go into ministry. Um, and so she finally said to me, you know what, if you're wanting to go into ministry, then why are you studying music business here? You ought to leave Middle Tennessee State and you ought to go to seminary. Now, I did that. I think God spoke through, used that atheist uh, academic advisor to speak some truth to me, and I decided to go to seminary. Now, some of you might think, well, what does that do for your free will? I believe that God can interact and providentially um, bring influences and orchestrate things to a certain degree without violating free will. That's There's other videos on this channel about that. But the point is, that's providence. And, you know, there's something similar in that to a small miracle, but that's not what we mean when we're talking about a miracle, and that's not what church people and Christian people typically mean when they're talking about something that miraculously happened. They're talking about God orchestrating events providentially. That's a different thing. That's a different concept. So let's see what else he has to say. Those miracles can often sound pretty delusional. You know, when you experience other miracle, people's it's miracles, like, oh, this is amazing. God wants it to be this way. Sometimes when other people say they've experienced a miracle, you're like, oh, sure. That's crazy. <laughs> 
you know, if you're religious, when you feel like God has spoken to you and told you to make a decision, you, you thank God. You think this is an amazing thing that has happened. And when someone you know says, you know, God spoke to me and told me to quit my job and start a brand new career, you, you think badly of them. You're like, okay, first of all, again, just like with Providence, this is also not something that we're talking about in the right context when we're talking about a miracle. When we're talking about a miracle, we're not talking about God impressing on our hearts to do a particular thing. Again, that could be something like Providence. That could be something like God just convicting you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, I think I sense that every time I'm about to commit a sin and the Holy Spirit convicts me and it stops me in my tracks, like uh, you're about to step into a pile of sin, don't step there. I feel like that is a little bit of slight communication from God via the conviction of the Holy Spirit, to use theological language. But what I don't think is a miracle occurred in the sense that someone experienced a miraculous healing or there's a parting of a Red Sea or something like that. Uh, so this is irrelevant, but let's see if he says anything else that could be helpful. I don't think that's what God wants you to do. Um, and then you go home and talk trash about them with your spouse. And again, when, when people Terrible. tell you, you know, God cured their disease, okay. you kind of want to see their medical records to confirm. Oh, yeah, I want to see that. So I'm a little bit skeptical. Like, there's a good sense of skepticism. That's right. Christians don't believe that they should just believe everything blindly. That is such a caricature. I would want to see some evidence, right? I would want to see something like a doctor like Chauncey Crandall uh, talking about how he was in the room when a guy had been declared dead and his skin was turning black and his eyes had dilated and they were, you know, they'd already signed his death warrant and all these, or whatever, you know, the things that are happening. And um, uh, suddenly something miraculous. I'd want something like that, right? Right. Christians understand that. Now, because we believe something like the supernatural, something like miracles can happen, we don't then suddenly think that we don't suddenly dismiss when someone claims that a miracle occurred. Uh, that is a bit narrow-minded, frankly. That's something like, uh, as I've mentioned multiple times um, in my debate with uh, uh, Matt Dillahunty, I brought up that he had told Matt Slick in 2005 in a debate they had, I think on the Bible Thumping Wingnut show, that if... Uh, he said that if an ocean parted in Jesus' name, he wouldn't believe that anything supernatural had happened. That is narrow-minded in the extreme. That is an unbridled skepticism. That's the level of skepticism that I don't know how you get out of bed in the morning and trust that the floor is going to hold you when you stand or that your car isn't going to supernaturally, com or uh, sorry, uh, spontaneously combust while you're driving it. Uh, that's a level of skepticism that is frankly unrealistic. Um, but so yeah, we're a little more open to the possibility, but uh, that doesn't mean that we're not skeptical because we know that the miraculous things we're talking about uh, are not the way that naturally, and I'm using my word specifically here, naturally things would go. And so we're a little bit skeptical, but if there's good reason to believe it, yeah, because guess what? Uh, the supernatural, and by the way, I realize that there are Christian apologists who are friends of mine <coughs> who object to the use of the term supernatural, and I understand why, but for simplicity's sake here, uh, we believe that the supernatural is a part of the way that reality is, and uh, we don't we don't think that's we're not surprised when something, it's amazing, but we're not surprised when something uh, supernatural and, 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 and incredible happens. I'm not surprised if we're walking through the forest and I see an incredibly beautiful waterfall. I'm impressed with it. I'm amazed by it. It's, it strikes me the same way it strikes anyone else. But I'm not like think, I'm not like surprised like this doesn't match my worldview. Of course it does. So yeah, we're not going to be as skeptical, but we are going to be skeptical. And we're going to see some, we're going to want to see some evidence. And the miracles that we talk about on this channel, there's evidence. So let's keep trucking. Let's move on, in fact, to the next thing that he talks about.
It's much harder to believe in miracles when they happen to somebody else than when they happen to you. It's interesting to me that Christians always seem to experience all the miracles. <laughs> you know, when it's when we're talking about faith healing services like Benny Hinn or Peter Popoff, those are all Christians. When we talk about successful pastors, you know, uh, Joel Osteen, uh, people like that, they get their own TV shows. They get their we'll own see. successful reality shows, too, even if you're a mediocre pastor. Yeah, even if Christians write best-selling books, it's not just those books. They get their entire sections at bookstores. Uh, and everything that Snopes ever debunks, those are things your pastors told you about in church. As Yes, there are frauds who pretend that they have miracle healings and things like that. Um, d the fact that there are frauds within the, within the quote-unquote Christian movement who have fake miracles, does that mean there are no real miracles? I mean, after all, I'm sure that this fellow believes in evolution. In the, in the history of evolution, there have been some obvious frauds that are admittedly so, and that no one disputes are now that we look back and see we're frauds. Do we say now that evolution is false because there were frauds? No, this is absurd. This is a very uh, obvious problem, but it gets worse. As miracles. So basically, all of these things you hear about as miracles are things that somehow happen in conjunction with the Christian God. It's you never hear, you know, a, a Hindu or a Muslim say, "Let me tell you what God told me the other day." <laughs> you never hear them talk about the miracles that happened to them. This really well. Let's listen to what Sam Harris has to say about that. But it remains a fact that yogis and mystics uh, are said to be walking on water and raising the dead and flying without the aid of technology. Really, yogis and mystics. Uh, what, what about some of these Hindu miracles? Crowds mobbed temples all over India to see Ganesh, the elephant god credited with bringing prosperity, drinking milk. As people throughout the nation declared it a miracle, others cashed in, charging five times the normal price for milk. People were cashing in on this Hindu miracle by charging extra for milk? That's amazing. Why, I didn't think that was the case. This is almost entirely a Christian phenomenon, at least in America. Clearly not. Clearly not. In fact, I'm going to go a bit further, and this will surprise some of my Christian, uh, some of the Christian viewers here, is that I don't even think necessarily that everything supernatural happens that happens happens among Christians. Uh, it, it, I, I would imagine that these other religions, that the enemy is very interested in that, and there would be supernatural events that take place there as well. And for you atheists out there who are going to say, then how could you tell the difference? If supernatural events take place in other religions and supernatural events take place within Christianity, how would you know which one is the true religion and which one is the true God? That's where the evidence comes in. That's why all the evidence kind of works together in a cumulative case. But let's go on and see what else uh, Hemant has to say. And by the way, all of those other religious groups, they believe in God. They believe in divine power. But they don't market miracles like Christians do. They don't market this milk whenever there's a religious healing, uh, something going on with some, uh, you know, miraculous. Uh, by the way, that's about a that's about a statue that drinks milk. There's a statue that drinks milk. Scientists went and checked it out. They believe that the porous nature of the uh, statue is soaking up the milk when it's held up to it with a small spoon. Uh, that's what's going on there. But what do you mean they don't market it? And the problem with miracles is that when Christians kind of repeat it to each other, they all think it happens to them. It's this perpetuating cycle. Oh, it happened to this person at church? It might happen to other people at church. And then people start thinking everything good that happens to them is some form of a miracle. It I have almost, I have met a couple of people like that, I'll admit. Um, and I love my charismatic brothers and sisters, but typically it comes more from a charismatic sort of 
perspective. But I have almost never met anyone like that. This is such a, and this is something we see often in the skeptical and atheistic community is taking a small minority. It happens with the individuals. Uh, there's a, a group of people called the New IFB, the New Independent Fundamentalist Baptist group or whatever. They're in no way connected to other Baptists. And they're a very fringe group. I think they have like 30 congregations in the whole world. I'm not sure how many people are in this, but you could probably fit them in one uh, reasonably sized, you know, large church building. And uh, yet they'll point to them and they'll act like that's Christianity. That's what Christianity does. Here we'll point to a couple of people that think the miracles are happening left, right, and center in their lives all over the place, and uh, they'll act like that's all of Christianity. Now, you'll actually hear me say on occasion that miracles happen all over the place in terms of all over the globe or quite often or quite regularly, uh, but this idea that every little thing that happens in my life must be must be some kind of uh, special miracle of God. I, 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 this is com- almost completely foreign to my way of thinking and, and experience with hundreds and hundreds of churches and thousands of Christians throughout my life of various denominational backgrounds. It's such an overused word, but it's partly that way because it, it gets a life of its own in these Christian circles. Miracles have never been proven. If you can prove that a miracle or something supernatural happened, believe me, James Randi is waiting with a million dollar check to give to you if you could prove it. But no one's ever claimed that money. Even the Catholic Church's supposed miracles to turn, you know, former popes into saints, those aren't proven miracles. Those are medical issues that maybe we can't explain yet, but the natural explanations are probably waiting right there to be figured out. The, the naturalistic explanations for these miracles, yeah, there's some of these miracles that are pretty good. We haven't figured them out. I mean, they seem like miracles. But, you know, naturalism will get there eventually because, after all, isn't that what Dillahunty said? Dillahunty said uh, that, that that they're never proven to be supernatural, ever, right? Okay, well, uh, here we go. This is the same thing we were talking about a little while ago. What, do you want them in a beaker or something? I'm not trying to be snarky like it's... I, I realize I'm coming off a little snarky. I don't, I don't mean to come off that way. Please forgive me. Uh, this seems like a really friendly guy. I think he's called the Friendly Atheist. I really like this guy. Uh, He seems like a nice guy. But this is, I mean, I mean, can you not see it? If if a Christian if a Christian said something like this, like we don't know what the explanation for this particular thing is yet, uh, so that's where we put God. We call that the God of the gaps. Yet here he's saying we I don't know how to get around some of these miracle claims, but hey, guess what? Naturalism will down the road come to it. That's a naturalism of the gaps. That's we don't know how to deal with what you're saying. We don't know how to deal with this evidence. So we'll just, on faith, take it on faith that naturalism will one day come up with an answer. So miracles don't actually happen. And and a lot of times when you get enough information about them, they're debunked pretty quickly. Now notice also with this, when you're listening to my videos, I'm giving you examples. I'm giving you stories. I'm giving you videos. We get no examples here. We We just get assertions. Miracles were real. Can you imagine how many of our problems would be solved? I mean, diseases would be eradicated. All of our loved ones would never die. I mean, it would be pretty incredible if miracles... Let's follow the logic here. If miracles were real, there would be no bad things. There, what, what's the syllogism here? If miracles were real, there would be no bad things. But there are bad things. I, I don't even know how to follow this logic. It doesn't follow. This, this is a non sequitur. That you can have miracles can be real and there still be bad things. What he means to say is if miracles were real and we were in control of them. Now, I think actually, probably, you know, when he was thinking this through, I'm going to presume something here to help him out. 
I think probably what he's saying is something like, if Christian faith healers really had the power to heal on demand, then all of these things would go away. Uh, maybe he means something like that, because that is something that even some Christians who don't believe in these faith healers will say things like that. Um, and there are responses. I mean, for example, um, I, I don't believe, I, I don't, let's, let's say it this way. I am, within the realms of systematic theology, there is what's called cessationism, which is a position that holds that certain of these gifts uh, were apostolic, that the apostles had these abilities. And then after the, uh, after the deaths of the apostles, there was a ceasing of these sort of things, and so they, they don't happen anymore. And then the, most of the time, these people will say, God can still do whatever he wants, so you might get a healing here or there, but there aren't these faith healer type people. And then there are continuationists who say, uh, there's no evidence that any of these gifts, gifts ceased. And so typically, if you run into someone who believes in speaking in tongues, one fourth or other, they're, they're a continuationist. Now, I am a continuationist, although I don't hold to tongues the way that I think most of my charismatic brothers and sisters do. Nevertheless, um, I'm a continuationist. I, I believe that God may use an and I believe that God may use an individual to, to heal someone through the laying on of hands. But uh, I, I don't I, I don't know that someone has the ability to do that on demand. And most of the people who I know who are more in that camp than I am, they don't think that either. And what they'll say is that, you know something like, um, oh, what's the name of the book? Uh, John Deere, I think John Deere, not John Deere. Jack Jack Deere, uh, something like that. Surprised by the power of the Spirit. Uh, Deer. Deer is the last name. And he, uh, he says, he made this good point. He says, now when an evangelist goes into a church and preaches the gospel, not everyone that's an unbeliever comes to faith in Christ, but many of them do. And with someone who is a quote-unquote healer, uh, they could go and they could try to do healings, and maybe not everyone that, that they pray over is going to be healed. So, I, you know, you guys can fight that out amongst yourselves within the between the cessationists and the continuationists. Um, but for uh, apologetic purposes, uh, the fact that I think that's what he's trying to say. I think he's trying to say something like they could go in and clear out all of those, all of this. But, but you, do you understand, like that, that we don't think that we can usurp the power of God and force God's hand to heal willy nilly whenever we want. I'm not sure what he was trying to say there, but even when I try to help him out and make his point better, it still falls all over itself. Schools happen on a clear, consistent basis, but they don't because it's totally. Okay, so there's his, so there's his uh, five reasons why miracles, uh, whatever. Let's go on to the next thing, and let's take a look at the rest of this incredible story. A code blue goes out for senior cardiologist, Dr. Chauncey Crandall. Code blue is a special term, meaning that someone is dying of cardiac arrest. And when I was called to the emergency room to see Jeff, who was in cardiac arrest, he had already been 40 minutes into trying to revive him. What do we got? There's no response. And I was shocked, really shocked, because I had never seen someone so dead. It sounds strange. He's cyanotic. Cyanotic means that there's black discoloring of the limbs. He's gone. He's dead. They need to give this thing up. Clear. Stop trying to revive him. There's no life in this man. When do you have to call it? You know, I'm looking at the emergency room doctor. I said, don't you get it? This guy's gone. And then I heard this voice that said, turn around and pray for that man. How can I pray for a dead man? Pray for Jeff Mark. And the voice came back again. I'm a scientist. I'm an academic. 
but I went. I walked to the side of the stretcher. I stood next to the body. Dr. Crandall. And the nurse looked at me strangely, like, why are you back here? Dr. Crandall, what are you doing? Doctor, I want you to shock this man one more time. We've already called time of death, Chauncey. I said, for me, shock him one more time. Okay, so we're going to go to what happens next in just a moment on the video, but I want to read to you what it says here. Um, after he prays for him and they shock him, Crandall told the emergency room doctor to use the paddle to shock the corpse one more time. Seeing nothing to gain, the doctor protested, I've shocked him again and again. He's dead. But then he complied out of respect for his colleague. Instantly, the monitor jumped from flatline to a normal heartbeat about 75 beats per minute with a healthy rhythm. In my more than 20 years as a cardiologist, I have never seen a heartbeat restored so completely and suddenly, Crandall says. Markin immediately began breathing without any assistance, and the blackness receded from his face, toes, and fingers. The nurse panicked because she feared the patient would be permanently disabled from oxygen deprivation. Yet, he never displayed any signs of brain damage. Uh, Keener shook his head in wonder. As you can imagine, this case got a lot of attention in the media. He said one medical consultant for a national news program suggested that perhaps Markin's heart had not stopped completely, but had gone into a very subtle rhythm for the for those 40 minutes. What was Randall's response? Crandall's response? Uh, that he was grasping at straws. The resuscitation couldn't have happened naturally. An electrical shock administered in those circumstances would not normally accomplish anything, Keener said. The unanimous verdict of those actually present was that Markin was deceased, and that includes Crandall, who is a nationally recognized cardiologist with many years of experience. Indeed, in light of the circumstances, skeptical explanations seem hollow and forced, and again, they can't, they can't account for the two mysterious urges that prompted Crandall to turn in his tracks and pray for a victim who had already been declared dead. Absent those, Jeff Markin would be in his grave today. So this is an amazing story, and uh, there's actually, um, yeah, th th there's actually a little bit of a near-death experience involved in it too, but you can check out the video on your own, but let's pick it up here and see this in, on video. We looked at the monitor, and there was one beat, another one, perfect order, perfect rhythm. And all of a sudden, his abdomen is lifting up in the air. And we're looking at this miracle that was taking place. Wow. I've never, ever seen anybody declared dead that has come back to life. Okay. Get an ICU staff. This was a true miracle. Jeff is prepped for quadruple bypass surgery. His heart is beating, but his ultimate fate is still in question. All right, we're going to skip we ahead a little bit here. Would wake. On the third day after Jeff Markin was declared dead, yet another miracle. His fingers are moving. What? I went to go visit him on my 16th birthday. Dad. Dad. Oh, my goodness. And it was the first time that he opened his eyes. Okay. So, that's one thing I'll never forget. Yes. <laughs> I was really happy to see my daughters. It was undescribable. I have my daughters there. Jeff, you're back. It's good to be back. When Jeff woke up three days later, I was amazed that he could think clearly. And I was just amazed that he was alive. What happened? Well, we lost you for a good 40 minutes. Where did you go? You wouldn't believe me if I told you. My life changed and miracles do happen. 
All right, so there's the end of the story. Now, I, I just... Um, I just want to say that as we've looked at what atheists have to say, nothing supernatural is ever confirmed we got from Dillahunty. What do we get from the friendly atheist guy? We got um, a lot of things, but one thing is these things are never, there's always a naturalistic explanation, and if there isn't, there's one coming. Okay, you can exercise that hyper-skepticism. You can exercise the level of skepticism that says, if an ocean parted in Jesus' name, I wouldn't believe anything supernatural had happened. And you know what? That's fine. Uh, if that's your position, you're never going to believe in anything like this because you have structured your epistemology, you have structured your way of taking in information such that despite what you say, there is not realistically anything that would convince you. And that's really sad because if it's true, you'll never know that it's true. And um, you say, well, yeah, but isn't a miracle the least likely thing to occur? And isn't don't extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence? Here's the deal. What they require is sufficient evidence, sufficient evidence to be believed. And I think when we have a, um, what's, what is it, what's his credentials that we have here? We have um, uh, uh, a well-respected Yale-educated doctor and a medical school professor who specialized in complex heart cases. I I think when he's telling you, no, 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 this, I I don't know what to say, this guy was gone, uh, his skin was turning black, and I felt an urge to pray uh, over him. I prayed. We shocked him again. This is very unusual, and here he is. And not only that, there's no brain damage. This is an amazing, amazing story, and just another great reason why I am enthusiastically a Christian. What are you guys going to do with this kind of evidence? What do you do with this evidence? Uh, are you gonna, the only thing I can see it. well, he's lying about it. He's lying, or he allowed his religion to impact. You know, when we did the last miracle, uh, video. I heard some people, there were some people in the comments saying, I wouldn't want a Christian doctor like that um, over me. Well, I would. I absolutely would. Now, I don't demand a Christian doctor. I, dem- I just want someone who's a professional, a medical professional who, who is credible. But here's the thing. If I had my choice, uh, I'd prefer to have this guy than whoever he could have had because this guy could have died. But because this person was open to the prompting of the Holy Spirit in his life, uh, this individual, Jeff Markin, is alive today. Amazing, amazing. I don't know what you guys do with it. I mean, if you're satisfied with that level of skepticism, that's fine. But when stuff like this is out there, and I say this respectfully because I respect many and many of you who people who comment in our forum and who watch this as atheists are are uh, reasonable, friendly people that uh, I've had good conversations with, and I admire you and I respect you. But but I have to respectfully suggest this: as much evidence as we have. And on this channel, as much evidence as we've shown, if, you do, if, if you're still hugging to that level of unrealistic skepticism, then it just, I have to ask, is there some other motivation? I'm not saying that you're being dishonest. I'm saying perhaps examine your own heart. Is there some other motivation going on? Um, and think about that. Don't just think about the next thing you're going to say back to me. Think about it. And, but here's the thing. The miracles, the evidence, the philosophical arguments, the resurrection case, ultimately, the thing that matters most is that you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Not that, we're oohed and, that we ooh and awe these miracle stories, but that you place your faith in him, that you trust him on the basis of this good evidence. And uh, when the hero reaches down, you accept his hand. 
If that's what you want to do, you just need to tell the Lord in prayer that you're ready to do that and then begin living your life for Him. I'd love for you to contact me. Uh, contact me at braxton at trinityradio.org. I'd love to hear your story. Um, you can do that. I don't always get back to those as quickly as I should, so if you've already emailed me and I haven't gotten back with you, I'm sorry about that. Uh, I try to do that somewhat regularly, but um, but sometimes it may take up to a few days. But the fact is... Uh, I love you. I care about you, whoever you are. So I don't even know you, but I care about you. There's somebody out here who cares, someone who would like to uh, uh, help in any way that I can. And uh, I had someone yesterday on a YouTube comment get upset with me and say, well, you're so arrogant to think that Christianity is the cure for uh, for the problem of, of sin or whatever in the world today. Um, I do. I don't apologize for it. It's not arrogant, though. Arrogant is to say, I'm the cure. I've got the answers. Look to Braxton Hunter. That's not what I do. I say, I can't. I can't help you. I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. I can't help you. But you know what? Jesus is over there and he can help you. Jesus can help you. I can't help you, uh, but he can help you. That's not arrogant. That's humble. That's where we are. And I want you to do that. And I'm happy to help you with uh, to do that with me. Um, if you are a person who would say, I believe in what you're doing. And uh, we've had people saved through this program. Come to, We've had people come to the Lord Jesus Christ through this program. If you'd like to be a part of that, you can be an extension of, of that. You can help make that possible. And the way you can do that is by clicking in the top right-hand corner of this screen or going, if you're listening to this by audio, going to uh, patreon.com slash trinityradio and becoming a patron. Uh, we we uh, There's some things we need to do that we can't do, that we can't devote funds to. We need to buy some new software that, that will help us to do this in a better way. Um, and uh, and we need to be able to devote some more resources to it. So if you're willing to do that, uh, I appreciate it. You you can you can do that with us, and um, I'll I'll um, I'll love you for it. But I love you anyway, and I hope to see you next time on Trinity Radio.